Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin. This is Amy Bird, and I'm here with my usual co-hosts, Todd Pruitt and Carl Truman. And I'm excited to announce our guest today. Um, when we were B-listing it several months ago, we had her husband on, <laughs> you know, when we really wanted her. Exactly. And, and we asked him, what is it like to be married to Melissa Kruger? And so today, we are delighted to be able to have the A-list, Melissa Kruger, <laughs> with us. Um, hi, Melissa. How are you doing? Doing well. I am so sorry that you think this is the A-list. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you, Melissa, if by chance we fired Amy, would you be willing to join the podcast? <laughs> you didn't wait 30 seconds. <laughs> no Basically, way. Melissa, what we're wanting is you somebody with real... I'm getting Amy to do a podcast with me. <laughs> We're wanting somebody with real Southern charm. And Amy just has that, it has that Maryland edge to her that makes the Carl and I uncomfortable. West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be needed uh, to bring you to it. That's probably so, true. Yeah. You can't be too nice to these two. No, it's dangerous. That's it's right. like it's when you give like a mouse a cookie. <laughs> if you let them get out of hand, mm-hmm. you know, you'll lose them. That's so right. A firm firm disposition. Yes. (laughs) All right, Melissa, so you've written two books so far, The Envy of Eve and Walking with God in the Season of Motherhood. You're also the women's ministry coordinator at your church, Uptown Church, PCA. I wanted to just say that I was thinking about interviewing you and I really loved The Envy of Eve. And it, it made me reflect on the time that I read that. I think it was the first book that I read by a woman author that I felt like this has a, a lot of great substance to it, you know, by a contemporary woman author. So I just wanted to recommend this book to our listeners. It's about finding contentment in a covetous world. And you do such a good job of balancing good theology with just the personal touch that so many women love to have in books for women. So thank you for writing that, first of all. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's um, it's one of those topics that, you know, it doesn't get easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, It's one of those topics you write a book on thinking, maybe if I write a book on it, it's going to solve my issues. Yeah, don't you um, find it gets really worse when you do that? It's the way the Lord has shown me all my issues. So mm-hmm. it, it, was a, it was one of those things that I don't think you can study without combining what you're learning with your life mm-hmm. because it's so applicable to every day. I really appreciated that about your writing in it, because as I'm reading the teaching in there, I'm like, yes, 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 this is so true, but I'm so far from this. And then you kind of share a personal story of your own at the end, admitting the same thing. And I felt like, oh, okay. Yes, <laughs> no, I absolutely. Feel, yeah, it was very every helpful. Every time I go speak on it, I laugh because <laughs> something the week before the Lord always is faithful to provide context for those type of discussions. <laughs> so it will be 
you know, something is just really bad. Um, I think one time before I was speaking, I found out my mom had breast cancer mm-hmm. to then on the other side, just coming home to a house that's infested by ants. And oh. sometimes it's the smaller things that are harder for me to deal with. I'm right. like, are you serious? What are the ants doing here? Mm-hmm. I, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> right. like, but it's just um, life. You know, somehow I think we missed the parts of scripture where Jesus talks about how in this world we will have trouble, Mm. but that in him we'll have peace and to take heart he's overcome the world. Because I still find myself succumbing to a health and wealth gospel in my practical Mm. theology, even though I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. And what I think, it's really easy to walk around thinking life should be easy. Um, Yeah, it's kind of our default. Yeah. 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 Melissa, how would you kind of sum up? the thesis of, of your book, The Envy of Eve, kind of what's the center point of it as people who, who have not read the book? How would you describe it? Yeah, um, for mainly it's the sense that we are people who are longing to find contentment in this world, and we often think that we're going to find it by gaining this world. Yet the things of this world were never able to satisfy us. But the reality is the biggest roadblock to our contentment isn't our circumstances, but our own self and our sin patterns that we fall into. Because basically, anytime I'm saying, if I just had... X. If I just had this set of circumstances, if I just had this different house or this different husband or these different children or this different life, I'm basically believing in that item to provide what I need rather Mm -hmm. than believing Christ is enough to give all that I need for contentment. And so what I really, in studying contentment, I found the greatest enemy of it was our coveting. Rather than just fighting to get my circumstances right or our circumstances right, it was a fight with my son. It changed everything about how I looked at my circumstances when I started to realize it's my reactions to them that might be sinful rather Mm -hmm. than how do I just get out of this? And that, that just changed a lot of how I started looking at my life. That's good. Well, and then your your next book, Walking with God in the Season of Motherhood, I really like the story of kind of the birth of that book, what led you to write it. I'd love for you to share that. Yeah. Um, when I started my motherhood journey, I was living overseas in Scotland. And I knew when this baby came out that I had no idea what I was doing. I remember <laughs> looking at my husband and we were like, they let us take this child home. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Just letting me in the car with this baby? <laughs> yeah, I know. We were completely unaware of what we were doing. And so I knew that I desperately needed the Lord in this season. I knew I needed to be in the Word. But I can also say when you're sleep deprived and your life has just been upended, it at some points felt like, okay, how do I relate Leviticus to this train wreck of my life that has happened? (laughs) So what I, I remember sitting there thinking, I wish I could find a Bible study that was just geared toward this new season. So So I typically love just to study the word straight through, but I do think there are seasons of life where topical studies can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And so this was one of those times, all I could find were kind of pithy little devotionals that made it seem like, well, in this season as a mom, you can't possibly study the scripture in depth. So we're just going to give you some little phrases. And (laughs) what I really wanted was someone to take the word 
and put it in an easy format to get to it. So in the study, the verses are all printed in the text. I'm trying to make it as easy Mm -hmm. for a woman to get to the scriptures as she can. And just, you know, when you're in that new season of motherhood, you want someone just to tell you what to do. So I'm just saying, read this passage and here's some things I want you to think about. Because there are certain seasons where it's just really hard to engage the text well because your brain stopped working along the way (laughs) with diapers and all that. But so that's what I want. And I couldn't find it. And I had a dear friend who really walked through all my young mom days with me. And when she got married and had, she found out she's pregnant. And I was down at the beach just praying for her. And the idea for this book came together. And so I really just wrote it for her years ago because I wanted to give her something that I, I really, I kept trying to think, what did I really want when I was a new mom? And it was this. Mm-hmm. And wonderful so, gift. Yeah, I just wrote it for her. And um, it's been a joy. Actually, just this last week, they just moved into our neighborhood. And oh, so wow. little boys live five houses down from me right nice. now. And so it's fun that my children who are older now delight in her little children. And so it's just been a sweet gift from the Lord to see how he takes the relationships we have naturally in the church and uses them to bless maybe even a larger community than our own church. Um, But yeah, I love how most of the things I've written have been birthed out of just true relationships with people. And I'm thankful for that. So, you do some speaking. Um, I know that we've both spoken at some of the same churches yeah. at different times, which well. is kind of nice. And being the women's ministry coordinator of your church, I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit and spend most of our time talking about women's ministries. And I wanted to ask you if you've noticed some of the same things that I have, just when you go for these speaking engagements with all the different you know, wonderful women that I meet, I see a common theme and complaint even from a lot of the women on the focus of so many women's Bible studies and women's books that are you know marketed to be used for women's ministries in churches and just being full of a bad theology error and or just fluff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you get the same reactions when you go? Yes, yes. I mean, I think it's just something that culturally that we're struggling against in women's ministry is that somewhere along the way, I don't know if it's the publishers, I don't know who it is. We've bought into this situation where it seems like a lot of things that are marketed for women are not marketed towards their minds. Mm -hmm. And it is a frustrating thing I have seen in many churches that they are longing for something more. I do think it's going to be packaged a little differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I mean, I look at what my husband likes to read and what I like to read, and they're very different sometimes. (laughs) But I believe that we can give depth. But, you know, it's just it's the difference in giving someone your personality versus giving them the word. Mm -hmm. And so often, unfortunately, personality is what can sell more than a deep look at the scriptures. And some of that's our own laziness. It's easier to eat you know, cotton candy than it is to eat broccoli. And so some of it is our own, what we're asking for and buying as consumers for sure. But I do think women genuinely want more, but they struggle to find it. Yeah. And publishing companies know what sells the most. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, fortunately there are going to be a lot of women who have gotten and and will get the envy of Eve or or one of Amy's books. And Mm -hmm. so we're glad for that. But we also know that the kind of volume that Joyce Meyer moves 
you know, is, is huge, which is heartbreaking. Or Jesus yeah. calling. Or Jesus calling, right. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. slew of new mm-hmm. and women's so, books. Yeah. And so because the market demands, uh, you know, sloppy theology and junk, unfortunately, that stuff is going to continue to be mm. published. And, and hopefully in little forums like this, we can at least push back a little bit. But mm. yeah. Well, I wanted to yeah. ask you, like, yeah. in your own church, do you find that it can be difficult sometimes because there are so many women who are reading these books and, and you know they think they're doing a good thing you, they go to the christian bookstore you know they see the books there these women are engaging they're moral mm-hmm. um they seem to have really good intentions to get people to talk about god yeah how do you then counter that or approach that do you see that in your own church sometimes in the churches that you're speaking at i know i get a lot of questions yeah it's been interesting in my own church context are women it just doesn't come up a lot. It's it's really interesting. I think sometimes it's because they've allowed, you know, when I'm on staff. And so, you know, a lot of the books that we're reading either in Bible studies or mentoring groups, I get to approve. So that's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's nice in that sense. I mean, I haven't had many situations that have come up where it was just like, oh, that's just going to be terrible. Yeah. So that's a good thing. I think mm-hmm. all women in our context are, are really committed to growing both in their hearts and minds to love the Lord. And and truthfully, a lot of times we're just saying scripture. So that makes mm-hmm. it really easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of, well, you're studying Colossians. Right. So let's just right. jump in. And so that's one thing I always say to women, you really can just study the Bible, you know, and it's amazing. You know, you don't even have to read these other books, but I also understand their yearning to read a book that helps you grow and hearing it from a female voice. That's nice Mm -hmm. to hear. But yeah, I think it's just a tough situation. And the real key is what I get most concerned about in it is do we not have discernment enough to tell what is problematic? So it's not so much that I'm worried if my women are reading certain people. What I'm more concerned about is do you have the discernment to read it and then say, this is not correct. Right. Can you separate Um, the truth from the error? Exactly. And so that's really where I want my women to be more. Um, And I think the only way to get them there is to put them in the truth, in the truth, in the truth over and over again in scripture, because it's by being in what is true that we're going to learn what is false. And the reality is the lazier we are about that, the less we're going to be able to read a book and discern, hey, this is off. And so I think that's my bigger concern is the lack of biblical literacy that can be in any of our churches, male or female. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's just a female problem, no. but I think it's it can be an all-church problem. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> what would you say to male pastors is the most important thing for them to understand about women's ministry? Mm. Uh, Todd and I, of course, being incredibly sensitive, we <laughs> yeah, know already. Because there might uh, be some pastors out there yeah, that aren't as sensitive aren't as, as sensitive Carl and I, as so help them out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think oh, it's such a long, you know, such a good question. I would just love for pastors to see the need to build up their women 
to train other women Mm -hmm. in the word Mm -hmm. and that they are helping shape ministries within their churches that are word-based ministries so that they don't just, and I don't mean to stereotype at all, that they don't just default to, oh, women make things look pretty in the church and bring the flowers. And and I don't think that's bad. A lot of my friends love doing that and that's how they're serving the kingdom. And that is not a problem. You know, when I go to a funeral and see how certain women have set things up to make people feel loved and cared for, that is a good thing. Absolutely. It's just, it's just not the only thing that certain women, and I think this is where we get into, oh, I don't feel like I belong in women's ministry. Well, then maybe we're basing it on too narrow a definition of what a woman should be. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if we base women's ministry on the word, every woman's going to find her place in that. Mm -hmm. So there's, and hopefully feel loved and supported in that. But so I would just, one thing I've appreciated that our pastors do is they spend specific times training women um, on specific topics. And it's just a little different. I I think the women feel like they can ask questions differently when there aren't other men there. Mm -hmm. But our pastors have really taken the time, one, to allow places where women can teach other women and allow spaces where just women only can ask our pastors questions about theology. Mm -hmm. And so just believing they should be at that table asking those questions is really important. That's good. Yeah, because I think a a lot of the issues that I see is this lack of training. And so pastors, they want a thriving women's ministry and they see some talented women who have good leadership skills and, and have the desire to want to help the women in the church grow but they aren't given the tools to do it. They're just kind of sent off with confidence, I guess, from the leadership of the church. However, it's, it's unfair because then they're, they're not equipped well to be able to do that. That's right. That's exactly right. And so one thing I love, again, are some of our Sunday school classes. And we have Mike teaches actually a class called How to Teach the Bible. And it's for mm. both men and women. Yeah, but great. it's my favorite class. I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years, and I still learn every single time I take that class. He, he rotates it. And so those opportunities that both men and women can improve, because you know, with guys, when they go to seminary, they get to teach and things and get feedback. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest thing, I think, being a woman in this world. Women can be really nice to each other, which right. is a wonderful thing. But sometimes <laughs> I need to know, was my talk terrible? I mean, I right. just need to know, should I stop doing this altogether? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, uh, like the first few talks I gave, I gave to Mike out loud. He had to mm-hmm. sit there and listen to me mm-hmm. because I just needed feedback. And I think that's hard to get as women. And we're actually seeking to do that. One thing I try to have oh, different women great. teaching Sunday school. And one thing we're going to do this next time around is each of us are going to provide feedback for one another. So everyone who teaches will provide feedback and receive feedback, mm-hmm. but just trying to create that culture because it's hard to improve when you don't know where you're weak. Yeah, that's really good. And it's a great way to leverage that Sunday school hour. So we just started this past spring semester in our Sunday school, something very similar to what you just described. And one of the pastors on our staff and team taught this class. I think we called it to help me teach the Bible Mm. Uh, team taught it with a woman in our church who has formal training Mm. and it was men and women. And I think at least half, if not more than half of the participants were women. And there was a cutoff because as far as how many could be in there, because they, they had assignments and presentations to make. And that was the whole point is we want, the small group leaders, the Sunday school teachers, all of those folks in our church to actually have some good 
training. And, and what we've found is that we've got lots of women in our church that are saying teach. They're enthusiastic about being taught how to teach That's the Bible right. well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is such a good place that we can start. And I think the more women we can get, I'd love to see more women being able to go to seminary and do mm-hmm. things like that so they can come back to their churches and really bless their churches. Mm-hmm. Because I look, you know, I, I followed my husband through all these years of school mm-hmm. And what it made me aware of was how much I didn't know. Um, when you, when you, when I watched him have to be able to read what German theologians were saying about the New Testament, and you know, and know all these languages, and be able to study on different level, it made me step back and say, oh you know, there's a lot more to learn out there. And I would love to get that training. Um, It's hard to find the time. I don't know if you feel that way, Amy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's just something that I hope more women will start feeling comfortable going to seminary, taking these classes, even though they might not know what that will mean Mm -hmm. in the future. Because the reality is when guys go to seminary, they often don't know what that will mean for them either. But, and as we can, hopefully, as more churches can provide jobs for women on staff, I think that can just be a blessing for the whole body. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, I think it's just going to take time to get there as a church. Yeah. How do you respond to those who say, well, this is all, all great, but there's a danger here of relativizing the ministry of the word on a Sunday, mm. or there's a danger of relative, even the use of the word ministry, I've heard some say, it, as soon as you start using the word ministry for that which is not the ordained ministry, you're starting to erode boundary lines that shouldn't be eroded. How would you respond to that? That's interesting. I've never even heard that. That's a really good question. Obviously, you don't come from the OPC. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my world. Um, you know, that's an interesting thing, because in some sense, we're all ministering the word to one another. I mean, when we read scriptures, and it says speak in Psalms and spiritual mm-hmm. Psalms to one another, rebuke, correct, you know, encourage one another. There's some level of just being a member of the body, we should be mm-hmm. ministering the word to one another um, on a regular basis. So I know there's the formal sense of how that happens in the church. And that's obviously primary in our life. But we need each other, I think, in context. I don't think, let me say this, I don't think there's a problem of getting too much of the word in our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can speak about so many lesser things so often. I mean, you know, Saturdays can be spent with seven hours of football or whatever sport it might be. Mm-hmm. So I find any opportunities we can get to gather with God's people around His word is a good thing. Well, obviously not neglecting the more important times together in, in worship. Yeah. But I, I don't have any fear of a group of women sitting around studying the Word because you know, together. Um, I'm actually really hopeful about that, mm-hmm. that they would learn from it because it is powerful as yeah. they are meeting together. And what a great thing to get to be discussing with one another, the subject of all eternity, Jesus, yeah. you yeah. know. And there's no better way to do that than over the Word. Right. But yeah, some people maybe have different views on that. (laughs) Well, and a great number of churches, I mean, let's be honest, a great number of churches have women teaching in some capacity, leading Mm -hmm. small groups, having a home group, Sunday school class. And the question is, would you like them to be trained or not? Yeah. And hopefully the, you know, the answer is yes. And so provide those opportunities to, to train them. Can I interrupt here, Todd? Yes, you, you can. Com- have you completely changed your opinion? Who are you and what have you done? I seem to remember <laughs> having arguments. <laughs> Amy and I were arguing for exactly what you're saying now, and you were blue in the face that, that is we were absolutely wrong. not 
true. <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> I am so sorry that you oh, have to listen to my obnoxious, forgetful um, co-hosts, well, but what they are referring to... I'm glad that he's come to agree with us, Amy, even though he hasn't got the courage to admit was, it. ...was my position um, that the, the, uh, uh, the, the formal uh, uh, instruction uh, of, of the word to, to men needs to come from men, but I also affirmed that even in a mixed class, we at my church had co-teachers. I absolutely did. You guys see there, Melissa, <laughs> would you, would you be interested in maybe you and I doing a podcast sometime and they're, they're sitting here. Oh man. They have absolutely no memory. Anyway. Um, so nothing I said contradicted anything. What I said earlier, I'm very sorry. You had to listen into that rude a dysfunction interruption in the team. from my two lesser hosts. Now, what else do we have to cover with? Well, Melissa no, I wanted to pick up on this topic of the word ministry and mm-hmm. women's ministries. I'm in the OPC, so we don't really have women's ministries. <laughs> That's my denomination. You just well, well, and, honestly, uh, let's, let's talk. I mean, in the OPC, I you really don't have ministry, right? Is that the... Well, no, that's the thing. It's like we emphasize the ministry of word and sacrament. So like one thing I've written a lot about is, you know, I don't want to villainize the word ministry by any means to use for different small M ministries, as a lot of people call it. But even using the term initiatives really helps everyone in the church to understand where the ministry, like we're being ministered to by the officers in the church under the ministry of word and sacrament. And then there's a fruit that outflows from that to everyone in the congregation who does minister to one another, like you were saying, Melissa. And one thing that I've really tried to think a lot about, and I wanted to ask you about too, because it sounds like you guys do a good job of this at your church is how you can reflect that, in these other little initiatives or ministries or whatever you want to call them in your church as an outflowing of the ministry of word and sacrament and not just being its own separate wing. Because a lot of the time we see women's ministries or even other ministries in the church, but particularly women's ministries kind of becoming this side Uh ministry of its own. And then the women who are leading it kind of become the ministers to the women in Uh the church. And it's such a separation from the body of Christ. So how do you guys address that issue with women's ministries in your church? Yeah. One thing that is wonderful about really believing in the, the ministry yeah, that happens from the pastors preaching on Sunday and the communion that we take communion together as a body. I look at my women when we're planning things and I say regularly, if this fails, it's okay mm. because it's not primary. And that doesn't mean it's not important, but it's, you know, if the word is preached on Sunday and if we join together in communion and the Lord is worshiped in some sense, this is just all extra as the overflow. And that actually takes, to me, a tremendous amount of pressure on it because sometimes we can act as our little personal ministries Mm -hmm. are the important thing. And that's just really a sign that's become about us. Right. You know, and and I find that it just takes complete pressure off of it. So if something's not working, we just stop doing it. I don't feel like if no one's coming to the Bible study, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's okay. They don't have to come to the women's Bible study. Mm-hmm. It really takes actually a lot of the pressure off the other things when you know what is primary. Right. And so I find it, one, to be just a really, you know, <laughs> it helps just everybody relax a little bit about, yeah. you know, what we're doing. But the second thing is we really, I mean, our session provides wonderful direction for what they want us to be doing. Yeah, that's um, important. And, 
And so, for instance, when we do mercy things as women, all of our, the things we support, like at Christmas, when we had a Christmas party, the person who came and spoke was from one of the ministries our church supports. Mm -hmm. And so we got to hear more about what's going on with this inner city school that we work with and different people who go in and have lunch buddies. So everything is very integrated. So that Christmas party became a way that we could learn as a group of women more about what our church is supporting. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the goal is to be getting behind what our session is doing and helping that Mm -hmm. rather than acting as a separate silo and say, oh, we're going to do all these initiatives, you know, on our own without any session involvement. And that's just Mm -hmm. thankfully, you know, I meet with our pastor once a month, maybe every other month. And we talk about all these things. So we're Mm -hmm. very, they invest in you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it just, I feel like it works so well when there's just communication. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have, it means we're very Presbyterian. We have a lot of process documents. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I spent my first year in the job writing, what's the process we follow for finding mm-hmm. a Bible study leader? What's the process yeah. we follow? Well, that's such good groundwork to do, though. <laughs> It is. Mm-hmm. It really, because it really then just settles in. Oh, here's how we pick women for the care team. Here's mm-hmm. how we do all this. But we have a process document for every one of those things. Mm-hmm. So, but I do. I think that means they work well together. So it's just, you know, these things were voted on by the session. Just all of those things come from the session's leadership. And it can be a really beautiful thing. And I think that's what I would love to tell sessions, there shouldn't be a war between women's ministry and the church. It should be a beautiful, um, we are all laboring together and may his kingdom come, not our kingdom come. But so often it can be, it can become our own little ministries, our own little kingdoms, and that can be a problem in any church. Indeed. Well, that's great, Melissa. Thanks uh, very much for joining us today. It's been a great program. We heard Todd repudiate his early oh position <laughs> to agree with Amy and myself. We are going to have a long talk after this. As, well, and our listeners have got to hear what an intelligent woman theologian sounds like for change. So, oh, so, oh, that was a horrible yeah. one. Yeah, you can wow. uh, we'll start our own. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to hurt him after the well, show. It's It's been great to interview you, Melissa, yeah. and we do want to recommend uh, Melissa's books. And if you go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, We have a number of copies of The Envy of Eve by Melissa Kruger to give away. So please go and enter to see if you can get a free copy of Melissa's book there. Also, remember, we are a listener-supported podcast. So if the Lord leads you to make a donation, please do not resist his will on that. (laughs) And we would love to have you with us next time uh, and if you would like Melissa to replace Amy on the podcast start a, <laughs> start hashtag. a Twitter poll uh, Amy's gotta go hashtag I think that would be the, uh, the way to go about it so thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today and we look forward to being with you next time Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, the podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. 
visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... This is a vital question that demands our attention. And the question is this. Is Ric Flair the greatest athlete of all time? (laughs) Okay, well, the first question is kind of a pushback about us and how we define our terms because it says... That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. If we are affirming homosexuality as holy... then we've already um, broken some first-order principles to get there. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Hi, Melissa. Carl, I don't think we've ever met. No, no, but um, I know I, I could recognize you most easily. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to visualize me, think of Todd only much better looking. Uh, <laughs> As if that were even possible. Um, I think I got more hair than you. Oh, I don't know. You guys are pretty it's, it's close, but I, I think oh, I got gosh. slightly more hair. It's really pathetic, Melissa. <laughs> When when you have two, I don't have to grow a beard. Nearly to bald it, men the- here trying to compare who's balder. Um, yeah. It's it's very yeah. bad. I'm actually, you know, and Amy and I are talking about theology on the side, and yeah, you men just chatter on about how you look. It's all, <laughs> it's, it's all about our appearance. We, we yeah. look pretty good, actually. I love it. <laughs> I love it yeah, so I mean, at, at the end of the day, Carl and I always conclude that he and I are both really strikingly good looking and so um as they look long in the as mirror we, and say i'm good yeah, enough as long I'm as we have enough that, and doggone it you should like me <laughs>